Welcome back. We survived another week. Yes. Like that's, that's where my joy is coming from is surviving the last seven days. Cause I honestly don't even know if I remember them. Like all the days are running into each other. 100%. It's definitely like you're in a time bubble. It's like, you know what I mean? Like you're just yes. in a place, hunkering down, doing tasks. And I feel like we are so busy mm-hmm. and I don't know like I'm like oh we, we need to eat oh we you know like basic yes. human functions basic things so hard so yeah uh, I don't think that I would have like eaten any food these definitely these past two weeks but you know for probably a lot of the quarantine had it not but definitely the past two weeks had it not been for John like he's literally just been like feeding me and thankfully I have a nutritionist who like you know, tells us what we're going to eat so that he just like follows that because he just, I mean, he loves me, but he'll probably be like, here's some like ice cream and like French toast because that's what I want to eat. So you're going to eat what I want to eat type of thing. So she's making sure that my nutrition is taken care of. He's making sure that I actually get the food. That's why I'm standing here right now. <laughs> like not standing. Yes. But you know. Before we like get too into it, I wanted to say thank you to our good friend, Shelly. Thank for you. sending us. Things in the mail from Drizzly. Shout out to you, girlfriend, for yes, so appreciated. Um, because last week was a lot. I think it, yeah, it was a lot. I don't think it was a. I feel like the week before was like my tipping point, but Mm -hmm. the action part came last week, and so that was a lot of interviews and talking to people and and going to orgs and talking about diversity and inclusion. And I was on a panel, and so I definitely uh, needed that extra like pump <laughs> so yeah. i just been thinking about me and like texting us and caring about us and loving us we appreciate you and she's also i will put her episode in the show notes because she was on the podcast and she did talk about she's a voice artist she is has a series that's coming out i'll put links to the show notes on there that's on youtube that's animated she's on all kind of things but this one is going to be a big deal because it's about fairies and anybody who knows a little girl who is like under the age of 12 or a knows, little boy <laughs> i mean any child yes. knows how much fairies are a big deal uh, for young kids. So and love, the, the animation looks so good. So I am so excited for Shelly to become a fairy because she is an in real life fairy. Also, um, she um, she is a tour guide in New York City, which obviously like you can't access at the moment. But like the company like that she has, they're doing like all these initiatives to just kind of make sure that they're including and highlighting like black voices and like diversity and all that. And she was writing to me about it the other day, but we'll probably have her back on soon so that she can tell you about it. So I don't mess it up, but it's just awesome to see like so many people, like not just like walking, like talking the talk, but actually walking the walk and being like, no, I'm, I'm actually doing this. So yeah, I'll let her tell you more about it next time we have her on, but it's just awesome to see so many like businesses and companies like, really doing um you know including black voices and uplifting black voices but doing it like not just for clout for sure and then also uh jenny of greedy birds i'm gonna put her links in the show notes as well financially sent us some some money because she's amazing she actually did a thread in the she podcast group where she was talking about um amplifying and like supporting patreons for black owned podcasts and black women podcasts obviously and so I was literally like, eh, you know, whatever. I'll put a link in just because why not? Yeah. And she did. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. We're going to shout you out. We're going to put your link in the show notes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Obviously, I was not kidding last week when I said, you can go to our SoundCloud at any time and 
support us and we will shout you out and we'll let everybody know about how awesome you are just because it, it we do this for free right now currently we don't have sponsors if we had them you would hear them yeah. um so we've had just- them in the past but um it's honestly just like we had an agent and all that stuff and it's just uh, a lack of time to put into the podcast like our our main goal is getting you the information that you need and getting you the right guests on here so like that is first priority and there's a lot of times we're both so busy that we don't have the time to be pitching or doing anything else like that we both run complete other businesses outside of this podcast so yeah so it's it's no matter what like we love what we do and that's why we'll happily do it for free but obviously if you you know kick us money like we don't hate that either no we enjoy money (laughs) uh yeah we just want to do some quick updates on the revolution and uh still hashtag coronavirus is still out there that's going to be my my platform until it's not out there anymore i want people Mm -hmm. to wear their mask and wash their hands um it's we've had at least two weeks now of protests things have happened things have been changing so for the naysayers you humans who said why are we out here in the streets why are you guys making so much noise what is the difference this has been a not just regarding system i mean obviously it all has to tie back to a lot of it does tie back to, to white supremacy but the movements that have shifted in publications, in journalism, in art, in finance. Like it is completely changed the game up. Like Anna Wintour is out here apologizing for being a bad person. That is the sign of like things are changing to me. I'm like, yeah. We are yeah. in a season of change. So A, if you own a business, if you even if you don't, please take it day by day because things are changing so quickly i like i haven't been on the internet today i don't even know what's happened i haven't looked at the news i haven't been on twitter i've been working head down it's okay to like take a break walk away but just know that there's no right way to process change that is happening this rapidly especially because we have been told our whole lives that things these things couldn't happen we were told that these confederate statues are part of our history they will never come down we were told that the police will never be uh, changed in any type of way and the funding will not change because that is the way it is. And, that, you know, we just got so much that is the way it is in our mm-hmm. childhood. I feel like my whole 20s, I kind of like gave up on the thought yeah, of no, things great. changing. And in this past three months, so much has changed. Yeah, I think that, you know, I've spent a good amount of my 20s like <laughs> researching, like where's a place to live that's not here where like my race isn't like, an issue every day, you know, because I didn't believe that it could be here. And I, I don't, I still don't know if I do believe that it can be, but for the first time, I think that like, it's a possibility. And it's interesting because I have a friend who lives in Australia and she's like very removed from like the racial issues that we have. Like they don't have a lot of black people in Australia. Um, they don't necessarily have like an issue per se, but that's because like, they're not there. So there's never been, you know, a time for them to see how that dynamic would work. But she just assumed that we're all over here in America, everybody's getting along just fine. Everything's great. And like, if you're a black American, like life is wonderful. And, you know, I think that part of it is like, like, kind of like you said, like you just kind of give up on, well, this is like, this is how it is. So that's why we have these phrases that are like, you know, we have to work twice as hard you know, to have the same results as a white person, like things like that are just ingrained in us or like, you know, the things that we have to teach our kids to keep them safe or, 
you know, just like the things we have to do to ourselves, like for ourselves to, to stay safe, because we know that we're treated differently for the color of our skin. And I think that, you know, you just get so used to that and you get so used to the idea and you just think, well, that's the way it is. And I know for me, I have a lot of white friends that are good people, but I don't tell them any of this stuff because like, I don't know, like, it's just like, I just don't know. I never thought that they would get it. So like, obviously, like I've had even like issues just this year with um, a person of color, like coming at me out of nowhere for me supporting, like, uh, I think it's called therapy for black girls. They have like um, an Instagram account and I shared something from their account and had a woman of color, like come at me for that. And like, kind of like all women matter to me and all that sort of thing. Um, And so of course I talked to you about it and I talked to my friend Morgan about it, but like, I didn't talk to my white friends about it or anybody else because I was just like, well, they're not going to get it. And I think for the first time, like I'm actually sharing stories of like all the racism that I've dealt with over the years and like, like white people I know are like, oh my God, like I did not know any of this. Like I wasn't aware of any of this, but I think it's just hard to like tell people your stories because there's always those people that are like, oh, but it did really happen because you're black or did it really happen like this? And you just get so tired of proving your humanity to people that you're just like, you just shut down and you're just like, fine, I just won't talk to you about it. So there's definitely things that I talk to about my black friends that I don't talk to about other people. And that has been a big shift over the last two weeks that now I'm actually talking about it to everyone. And I'm telling everyone like, it's definitely not for me. I don't trust yeah. them. Um. <laughs> I'm like, these are the things that have happened. I'm and not I there. Just be, and, yeah. And that's fine. Like everyone's going to get there like a different. Oh, I'm never going to get or, there, girl. I love yeah, you. But I mean, for me, people. I just feel like but for me, it's more of like a, a thing of like, I don't have to be silent. Like I'm not like sitting yeah. down with each white person I know and telling them all these things. Yeah. No, you're being on the internet. Yeah. And I'm saying, these are the things that have happened. And instead of worrying about someone coming into my comments and saying, well, did it happen because you're black or whatever? I'm honest to God choosing to completely ignore those people and let my white friends come in or whoever else wants to and tell those people why they're wrong or I'll delete those people from my life or my following or whatever. Um, But I just feel like I don't have to be silent about it. You know what I mean? And that's been like a massive shift that I've seen over the past two weeks. Um, but yeah, there's been some amazing thing ha- things happening. And for all the people that are like, you know, riots and protests and things don't work, it took four days, like of like, you know, this pro- like protesting and things have started to happen and have been continually happening. But it is important that we keep them up the momentum because it's definitely just putting, you know, one group of police behind bars like that deserve to be there is not enough because there's so many that have gone unchecked. So do whatever you need to do to make sure you can keep up the momentum, you know, make sure that you're taking time to relax and have your downtime. We've talked more about that in the past two episodes. And also like, make sure that you're remembering that not everybody needs to do the same things in the movement. So like find what you're good at and what you can bring to the table and focus on that. I have a lot of friends, like I have a friend that has lupus and, you know, different friends that are like, oh, well, I can't go out and protest and I feel like guilty or feel bad about it. The thing is, is like we're in a global pandemic. Like if you don't feel comfortable protesting or if you can't go protesting for any other reason, like there's nothing to feel bad about with that. Like just make sure that you're supporting protesters in the ways that you can. You know, there's a million different things that you can be doing that don't only involve going to protest. So just keep that in mind. For a a long fight, you need more than just protesting. Like you can't just continually go out and like, there's, there's people that organize like, well, why are we going out? What are we like, what is the message? Like, so when you're, when they're protesting, they're making that 
that visual statement out there, right? But it's like somebody had to have like come up with what we're protesting for. Like that sort of stuff is incredibly important. Like writing, you know, legislature and plans and change and like educating people and again, supporting protesters, like just sending somebody 10 bucks to go buy like um, water so that like they can hand out water at protests, things like that. Donating some masks if you can um, so that like people are protected out there. Just there's a million little things that you can do. So just find like what works for you. Yeah, um, there's Mikhail Reese of Mixed Women, women with the X as we should always use. Um, she has a, her Instagram and I'll post a link in the show notes has a fantastic post about like sitting with discomfort and a lot of the feelings of people reaching out and saying, I, I can't do that. So I can't do anything. She talks about that. Like she unpacks that and things that you can do and also why you're feeling those feelings. Cause a lot of people who aren't affected or people who are white have had these feelings and they're overwhelmed and then they're like, well, nothing I can do is good enough, so I'm not going to do anything at all. And she really sits down and unpacks that and why you think that and what to do instead and how to change your narrative instead of discounting the movement or discounting yourself as a person and thinking you're less than. So I'm going to post a link to that because I read that today and I was like, that is amazing. A plus. Side note, Australia is really racist. Your friend needs to sit down and talk to herself. What is she talking about? <laughs> I was like, just because y'all like don't know black people doesn't mean the Aboriginal people are out here protesting for us on our behalf because of the racism that yep. they, they Yeah. And I do like, know that was actually it's funny. I have a neighbor who uh, just got here from Australia like three months ago or so, but he's been like back and forth to the States for like two years because he developed an educational software program here. So him and his wife just moved here and <laughs> Oh my God. Like there's a lot to unpack there, but let's just say like, he is like aware of the racism and he's aware of the racism there. Um, but his wife told me that I'm not black because Again. I'm not, because I'm not the color of Lapita. Yeah. The, and my hair whole... was like covered. So like, I feel like she was just like, Oh, you're like, you're, it's fine. You're not black. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Tell that to Amanda Seals, but that's cool. Oh my, I was Speaking of Amanda Seals to switch gears, because this is where I was going with my thoughts and my movements and my feelings. See, is, I um, felt that. I felt that for you. you know, we're, we're <laughs> Thanks, Amanda. But Amanda, keep your third eye open. She knows. Um, and I always don't agree with Amanda Seals, but this recently I've been like, she right though. There is a video from her, from The Real, which she is no longer a cast member of, but she was at the time of the Ahmaud Arbery shooting that she had a reaction like, like on camera, like while they were recording, because she had just seen it. And it was, it's just like this raw, her like, you know, almost like scream, like literally screaming, being like, this is crazy. Like, she's like, I feel crazy. I am here doing a show and black men are being shot for no, like going out. You know what I mean? She's like, I can't. And I think that has a lot to do with why she's leaving the show, but I cannot, I could not sum up the feelings that I have in any other way other than that video. So I'm posting like to the show notes. I'm like, anybody that doesn't, understand why I'm not like over communicating because I did do a panel on it I think that's probably the last thing that I'm gonna do publicly to talk about this outside of this platform because I can control this narrative um because it was with a friend it was with people I respect and I support and I think that the conversation was fine but I can't like I'm you're not I just I can't educate people in the way that I feel that because the thing the, the hard conversations about racism or the feeling or your the way you've hurt or impacted and i got this from this panel and some of the ways that people react to different stories because my stories aren't 
that. I don't have crazy racist stories. Like people just aren't crazily racist to me in an overt way. Microaggressions, I can talk to you all day and talk to you up. But I, the reactions that people had made me angry because <laughs> I was like, it was almost like a, I didn't know this could happen to my my friendly, calm, kind black. You know what I mean? Like it was like that. Mm-hmm. It was like somebody called you in, you know what I mean? Those type of things. And I can't, I'm not, I'm not in a space where I want to talk to people who don't experience this. I don't want to talk to people who don't get it, who think that this is so far-fetched that they've never heard. The I don't believe, I can't believe it's still happening conversations. I'm not here for it. But I will share these resources to you. I will send you to the yeah. people who are happy to have Definitely. those conversations. It ain't me because I'm just, a man. I feel like I'm a yeah. man of right and now. And that's the thing. To be clear, I'm not having the conversations. I'm just sharing oh, girl, I'm not, I just feel like my, yeah. my audience no no and I get that because sometimes it's like you just want to it like for all the re- reasons I already said like it's just you know you know there's going to be that person like you just said that it's like oh really I'm so shocked even though it's I like, just hello I don't I'm just, I think I'm, I'm like Amanda Seals in which I'm so I think people have live in a bubble and especially where we live the yeah. people that I know you were listening because I know there's a lot of my friends listening who are like, she hasn't really said anything. Or what are we doing? Or are we going mm-hmm. to lunch? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, who started to follow this podcast in the past two weeks. Hi, I'm talking about you. Um, like some of you, <laughs> not all of you. Uh, I, I'm not going to sit down and put into words experiences that people who you've been around have had that did not feel safe to come to you. And it's not that I didn't feel safe because I go to the people I feel safe with and I'm close to those people and we've had these in-depth conversations before this happened. So I didn't have any issue having those conversations, but it's just so, I can't imagine being so wrapped up in myself. And I think that's just the way I live my life is that I'm so hype. I feel like I'm hyper aware. Not every single thing, obviously every single cause is not going to be able to be amplified or I can't do something about it. But I'm so aware of, so many other people's issues that it would never a person and this is also something somebody said and before that panel is that they were like and i don't know if i said this on the podcast or maybe i told you about this person was like and this was a black man who said you know when the me too movement came i was so surprised and i was like how are you surprised like i just it baffles me that adults in today's society are still so surprised by other people suffering that is a cause of systemic oppression like, I guess I I feel like I'm not that old and that it's wild to me that people who are Gen X and above or even older than me are so surprised by the oppression that other people have faced. Immigrants. We've been talking about these children in these cages mm-hmm. for like four years now, even before four years, like even during the Obama administration. It's not just a Trump thing. We've been talking about immigration. I feel like my whole life, the Dreamers Act has been a number one conversation. Mm-hmm. My family's been here for centuries. Like, I've never, like, I don't understand how people are, like, now, today, like, this week or the past two weeks, because this has been more loud and, and more conversations that people have been like, oh, I didn't know. And I'm like, well, I guess I I can't relate to, I don't know. I still care about you guys. <laughs> and I think I that, like, you know, just a lot of people, like you said, it's a lot of people are self-centered and they're not so- looking beyond, like, what, they see in front of their face. Um, and I don't know if that's like, I don't know if it's like a learned thing. Like I'm not, I'm not really sure. Like yeah. I, I definitely don't think my mom did a perfect job at 
raising black children. And again, if you just got here, my mother's white, my father's black, and my mom raised me and my brothers. And she did not really prepare us <laughs> for the experience of being black in America. And we learned a lot of things the hard way on our own. Um, but one thing that she did do is like always tell us repeatedly, like, you need to always support and love all people, like regardless of where they're from, what they look like, what their religion is, whatever. And you also need to look out for like, she always taught us like, look out for the person being bullied in school. And if you're the person being bullied, come tell me. But if somebody else is being bullied and you think you can handle it, like stick up for them. And if you can't handle it, then come tell me. And so to me, it just always taught me to have empathy and look for what are other people struggling with and how can I help? That's how that's translated to my life as an adult. And I guess like maybe if you're just not taught that, maybe you don't learn it. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's very really, perplexing for me to see, yeah, like to see people, like you said, that just don't, they're not aware of like why we have the Me Too movement or why, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement is happening right now or, you know, and there's, there's a lot more to come after this. Like what I hope is that we keep up momentum and then after this we fight for everyone else's rights because it's obviously like it's not just black people that are i mean what our situation is very dire right because we're literally being murdered by the people that are supposed to protect us but there's like the, like native people what they're going through right now and i i can't even like speak to all of it because i don't even know all of it right but there's there's just so many layers to what these people are going through and how we're just all sitting by and just people are just going about their day and acting like it's not happening. Um, it's crazy that we all live in the same nation and we're so disconnected to the suffering of our own people. It's bananas to me. I don't get it. Uh, yeah, it's wild. I just, I'm, I I think the prior, I'm hoping that people who are learning in this time that there is major suffering happening outside of the Feed the Hungry commercials that you saw in the 90s that are happening in your backyard, in your your neighbor, your friend, your coworker, that you take what you're learning and you raise your children to be better. And I like we I feel like Twitter has just been like Gen Z dunking on everybody else right now. Mm-hmm. But children who are living with their parents who are bigots, who are like heartbroken. I feel so, like these are the people where I'm like, I how do we get therapists? How do we get these children out of these houses? These kids are crying, sobbing on TikTok. Being like, I did not know my parents were such bigots. How do I get out of here? And they just want to be better. And this was like them just being online and having communities. So I do have hope that kids who are younger and people who are younger as they grow up, that they do better. Obviously, that's not the case for everybody. Obviously, we have the kids who are also on TikTok talking about people, Black people, can go to jail or saying N words. But the, I feel like the majority of that generation understands a little bit more, or at least cares about yes. the environment something bigger than them to the point where they haven't been touched by society and hopefully the the fact that society is changing when they are touched by society it's not the same rules and that they don't have to kind of like fall into place like we did because we had to we had to we didn't have jobs and then when we did get jobs because we were in a you know we were in a depression when we got back our jobs we all had to fall into place and we had the same rules and we're like hey uh, why don't we talk about salaries? And why is there inequality in the workplace? And why is leadership team all white dudes? And why is sexual harassment still a thing? So the fact that these systems are being slowly dismantled and the conversations are happening, I'm hopeful that the little baby children, little baby, the little baby dems on the internet get to live life a lot better than we had to live it. Because we're not that old. It's getting better, but 
I just, I feel like it's going to be so much better for them by the time they go to law school or, you know, all those things that we have to do. So. See, you're supposed to leave the world a little bit better than the way you started it. So yeah, if we all try to do that, it will be a great place. If the kids don't have to see any Confederate statues, is that really wrong? No, it's not. Exactly. Well, we have an amazing guest today. Um, Got Ayana Campbell-Smith, who I met here in Orlando at her, she'll talk about the one of the first places she worked. I believe that's where we met. Um, Orlando Design Center was so small. Like it was all, we were all little babies and we didn't have any kids and we were all young and we were all hanging out and we all went to Creative South together. And now we all are on Instagram because everybody doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> um, but she's going to talk to us about money and I'm so excited because we need yes, to talk about money. Definitely an important subject. And especially right now with everything going on, uh, it's important to, if you can, not put that on the back burner. Get your coins in order. Um, again, stay hydrated, wear your mask, wash your hands, tip generously still. Even if people are being unfurloughed or going back to work, they're still coming up. We're talking about money. If you have money to share, be nice. So yeah, we'll get excited to get in this conversation. So take your note, get your pen, get your pencil, take notes, and we will see you guys next week. Bye guys. Hey guys, welcome back. We're super excited to have a guest finally after two weeks of like crazy America. So we're super excited to talk to somebody else except for us ourselves and the current events. And we are so excited to have Ayana Campbell-Smith here with us, who is from Millennial Money Guide. Welcome. Please tell our listeners about you and your business and everything you've been doing in the past couple of months with the quarantine. Just let us know all about you and your brand. Sure. Okay, cool. So I am Ayana Campbell-Smith. I'm super excited to be here on the podcast with you guys today. Um, A little bit of background behind me. I was actually born and raised in Orlando, Florida. So shout out Florida. Um, I know you guys are both there. Um, So yeah, I was born and raised in Orlando, Florida. But last year, late last year, around November, my husband and I actually packed up everything and moved to Cleveland, Ohio area just because my husband got a job up here. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been really fun. Cleveland is different. It's new. We have seasons, which is fun. But um, yeah. <laughs> that's been uh, something to get used to. But we are definitely loving it so far. As far as sort of touching on Millennial Money Guide, that is my business. So I am the founder, CEO, boss lady over at Millennial Money Guide. <laughs> um, and basically what I do there is that I am a debt-free millennial money coach and I share practical tips and money advice to help millennial women ditch debt, save more, and win with their money. So I have a couple of avenues that I do that through, and I'm sure that we'll probably get into it a little bit further into the interview. But it started as a newsletter, an email newsletter, sort of blossomed into my Instagram following, and now I am transitioning, or I should say adding on the idea of one-on-one money coaching and hopefully getting into group coaching at some point too. So it's been a lot of fun this year. Can I tell you that I love a solid like mission and vision statement? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know your elevator you. pitch to, to a T. Yeah. Yeah. Been taking a lot of social media courses because you know Instagram is like my main avenue that I sort of communicate on. So yeah. I've definitely learned a lot in like the past year about 
social media and having that elevator pitch down. And it, I'm, it sounds really rehearsed because I'm just so used to saying it now. But yeah, it doesn't it's, it's actually. It sounds very confident. That's that's the oh. thing that I thought. I didn't think that it sounded rehearsed at all. So. Oh well, thank you, thank yeah, you so yeah. much. Yeah, sounds confident, <laughs> which we love to hear. Um, uh-huh. Speaking of Instagram, your Instagram is beautiful, which makes sense well, because you're you. actually you started out as a designer. So uh-huh. tell us a little bit about your design career and kind of like what your day to day looks like now. Yeah, totally. So um, I can take you all the way, way back to the beginning. My design career actually started pretty early. I had a, definitely had an advantage over a lot of people because my mom actually she went to um, she went back to college to community college to study graphic design around the time when I was in I believe middle school. So I was maybe like twelve years old. And my dad is actually um, someone who has a degree in computer science. He studied computer science in college. So. Since I kind of hit that sweet spot with my mom being a creative person and my dad being into computers, I kind of am a perfect mix of the both of them. Mm -hmm. And so as my mom was sort of transitioning her career and getting into design, I was at that age where I actually had an understanding of computers. I could sort of use them on my own. And so I was picking up tips and tricks from my mom as she was learning Photoshop and Illustrator and you know, using her laptop on weekends to sort of make really crappy like CD covers and book covers. <laughs> and so, yeah, I would say I was probably around 12 years old around that time. And there's a whole story about how in, um, it was funny, in middle school, we had this, this class project where we had to create like a Time magazine cover. And all of my classmates did theirs in like Word or PowerPoint. But I was the only person in the class that did like full color, full bleed, designed in InDesign, printed at Office Depot. So I think, yeah, I think that was sort of the moment when I realized that, hey, this is sort of the thing that I want to do when I grow up. And I just sort of had an advantage over over my peers at that point. And so from there, starting about that age, I actually helped my mom because she ended up doing freelance design, starting her own business. And she would do book publishing and graphic design. So I would help her with laying out um, books for her clients, and she would actually pay me. So I definitely learned the value of money back then. So these worlds mm-hmm. are all sort of colliding. Um, but yeah, I was using, I believe the program is called Quark Express. I'm not sure yes. if you guys are familiar with that yep. one. But yeah, <laughs> that is sort of where I got my start. Um, in addition to like Photoshop and Illustrator, all the basic ones. But yeah, I was definitely in Quark Express a lot back when that was a thing. Um, so yeah, that was sort of my early childhood. And then beyond that, of course, I've just been a creative person growing up. So that extended into high school, taking web design classes and graphic design classes when I could. Moving into college, I did graduate from the University of Central Florida with a degree in graphic design. So um, yeah, like I said, I've just really had an early start. So I guess at this point, I'm 28 now. So I've had 16 years of experience, I guess you can say. Um, After graduating... Thank you. So then after graduating college, I did transition obviously into um, the real world being a working adult. And so I had a brief little um, stint at Purple Rock Scissors, which is local to Orlando. I worked Mm -hmm. there straight out of college. And then after about a year there, I moved on to work at Envy Labs, where I currently work um, completely remote. They're based in Orlando. Um, And basically my job there is I am a creative director, so I oversee our small design department and I work closely with clients to turn their sort of ideas into um, usable products to sort of streamline their processes and a bunch of different things like that. So it's a lot of fun and I really enjoy it. I love it so much. So it's so funny because when you were starting to get in design and your mom was going to school was around the time that I started designing as well but I was oh, in wow, nice. paint shop pro and selling myspace layouts 
Oh, yeah. like <laughs> I'm like a little bit older than you, but not too far uh, off. So it's around yeah. the same time that we started to get in that. So it's so funny. And also I, I did to have some. Out... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say I did have some experience too in Corel Draw. I'm not sure if you guys yeah, had that one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Corel <laughs> eventually bought Paint Shop Pro and that was like totally like my, like, uh, oh, I see. Like, grew up and then you went to Photoshop. Feels so old. Uh-huh. But <laughs> I like also wanted people to know because I think design is such a like broad term and you've already talked about four or five, six, seven different types of design that <laughs> yeah, you've done yeah. over your lifetime uh-huh. that your work at Envy because Envy is such a, like they make products that work and actually offer results. Like I think people sometimes mm-hmm. think about the agencies in town and that we can kind of do cool things or the agencies in their small cities like Orlando. I feel like the Columbuses and, you know, the Savannahs all have kind of like these agencies that are kind of like small, big, but I think the difference between me, like Envy and some of the other places in town and the reason why we respect and like look up to them so much is that the work that Envy does is effective and uses a lot of science behind it, a lot, a lot, like a lot of logic. And it's mm-hmm. not just pretty. It is pretty. It does work well. It is beautiful. But the experience behind it is supposed to be effective. So, Oh, wow. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, I definitely, I work with some really amazing, super smart, intelligent developers that make me feel dumb every day. Not in a bad way, (laughs) like in a good way. But yeah, I just, I've been there for five years and I still all the time just feel like I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly being challenged and sometimes second guessing myself and whether I'm in the right field just because they're all so good at what they do. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a blessing to be able to be able to be there for the last five years and learn so much from them. I also have to say that I'm obsessed with your parents and I right? love that. Yeah, like, here's the thing. I think that a lot of parents think that they need to like not go out of the box when it comes to like their kids and the, their like, let's say after school activities, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of parents will stick to like sports and music and art because that's what like the school offers itself, you know? So they're just kind of like, let's kind of stick to the status quo on it. And while those can be great things, and I think a lot of people obviously really enjoy doing those things, there's just so much to get into. Like you don't have to limit just because someone is 12, you don't have to limit like what they have access to as far as like being creative or having fun hobbies or whatever. And yeah. I just love that like your parents, like it's not something they pushed on you. It's just kind mm-hmm. of like, well, he- here we are. This is what we do. And we love what we do. It, I think that shows as well. Like your parents having this like passion for that and you saw mm-hmm. it and you were like, huh, I kind of want to explore that and, and get to know that. And, you know, just starting out with playing around on the weekends and it's turned into like this amazing career that you yeah. that you have been having and and got, uh-huh. you know you've you've landed these really impressive jobs like in your very early 20s. So yeah. I just think it goes to show like for parents like please don't box in your kids or think that you know you have to limit them. I know I for one I'm like I don't have any kids yet, but for mm-hmm. my nieces and nephews, I'm constantly buying them like coding books and just like anything that's like different. Like here's how to operate a camera, like anything that I can like get them to kind of think outside the box. And obviously mm-hmm. Angelica does that with her little one. So yeah. I, just, I feel like it's so awesome. And hopefully like we'll be, you know, raising generations of people that grew up to be like you. Yeah, totally. One other thing I didn't touch on too is that, so I kind of hit on the design side, but I kind of, I stepped over the part with my dad. So like my dad, like I said, was a computer science major. And so I think from his side, I definitely got the whole learning how to code. I'm not like a coder or a developer, but I do have like HTML experience and CSS. Like I can, I can work my way around. So I definitely went through a phase, a phase in college and like late high school where I was into photography. And so I was literally like 
taking photos on my DSLR and then importing them and making these like crappy portfolio websites with HTML and CSS <laughs> and stealing bits of code from the internet. And, you know, so it's definitely, I think it's definitely been like a full circle thing to now be working yeah. in, in a web design consultancy. Cause I did graduate from UCF, like I said, with a graphic design degree, but then I switched and now I work currently sort of more like in a, in a web interactive field. So yeah. That's amazing. Oh, for sure. And also mm-hmm. like, um, because you, I've seen your animations, uh, we're just gonna hype you up this whole time, just so you know. <laughs> like, well, like black women getting this work this year. Uh, it, it takes a. It's almost like this side, that science side of your brain for designing animations that actually make sense. Like, it's not an easy thing to do. So, uh-huh. also, I'm gonna plug you on that and your dad's like influence there because your animations make sense and they are seamless. And I cannot am like. I can't animate things to save my life outside of code. Like I have to get a code and like make it happen. Like to uh-huh. prototype an animation for some reason, my brain cannot function. So I'm also going to like shout you out on that as well. Uh, thank you, girl. <laughs> oh my goodness. So what led you to starting Millennial Money Guide? Because A, I, I mean, I'm sure like we're all millennials and we get crapped on all the time about money. Uh-huh. And I feel like for me, I personally shy away from publicly speaking about money because I just feel like, I'm so extra ignorant. And now like, Damn. you know, other generations are yelling at us about avocado toast and not having houses. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what made you decide to like defy the odds and say, hey, I'm doing some steps and I'm about to come out and share what I'm doing. And also why is it so important for millennials, especially right now in the Coronas and the, the revolution yeah. to get our money in order? Yeah, no, totally. Um, so I think going back to starting Millennial Money Guide, it like I said, everything sort of ties back to design in a way. So I'm a designer. I live and breathe design. I don't really have a ton of hobbies outside of that, um, which is, you might say something about me, but you know, I'm super into design. And so I, I had this point in time, it's actually been a year since the inception of this idea. I was like, I remember I was sitting on the couch in Oviedo and I used to live there and I just had this spark of inspiration because for the longest time I had been searching for a side project or something to devote my time to that was creative, but it was not specifically like related to my job or specifically design. Um, And so I think I was just sitting on the couch randomly one day, I was watching Downton Abbey, if I remember correctly. And I just started thinking about all these different personal finance topics that I wish someone had told me about when I was younger, as I was, you know, sort of stepping into adulthood. As far as like my knowledge of money stuff, it's just, I think it's maybe just the nerdy side of me and like the numbers side of me that I just really enjoy working with numbers and money excites me and saving and reading and learning. So that was just an interest that I had, but I wanted to sort of tie it into a design project that would then benefit others. So the way that it actually started is, like I said, I was sitting on the couch watching Downton Abbey. I just had my iPhone and I was just writing a list of notes of things that I, that I wanted to speak about. And I, um, I think I ended up with like 30 topics just from that one sitting session. And so I knew it wasn't something that I should sit on. And so then I was sort of racking my brain for like, what can this be? What's going to be something that I'm going to be able to do in the long term and not just sort of have some excitement about in the beginning and then give it up because like I considered doing a YouTube channel, but I have experience with that, that, and that is a huge time commitment. And I knew it was going to be something that I wouldn't be able to sustain. And so I just started with a really low barrier to entry idea of doing a monthly newsletter where I would, you know, be able to learn about email marketing, be able to design email templates, um, improve my writing skills. So that's sort of where it started. I had a list of topics. I created my MailChimp account. I started designing newsletters. 
And then I wanted to have something to accompany it that was also a little bit more creative. So that's when I decided to also add an Instagram account to it. Um, And so those two main things were sort of where it started. So I think over the course of that was like in June. And then I think I sent my very first newsletter after growing my list to about 250 people just through social media and word of mouth. Um, I grew my list to like 250. And then I sent out that first newsletter in September of 2019. So we're going to be coming up on a year of a millennial money guide being official soon here. But yeah, that's pretty much how it started. But I do think that it is so important for millennials, not just millennials, people in general to have a grasp on their money, because in my opinion, having confidence when it comes to your finances is a form of self-improvement. It's a form of self-empowerment. I think particularly with women, a lot of the voices that we, we have out there that are teaching us about money are from men. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I do think that it's important to have a diversity of opinions when it comes to something as as important and as beneficial as getting on the right track with your money. And so as a millennial and someone who's been confused, who's had questions and who was seeking guidance at one point in my life about different personal finance topics, I just thought it would be smart to do sort of my part to share the knowledge that I had. Um, and just put it out in the world. And the response has been great so far. So I say it's been a success. (laughs) Well, happy almost one year. First of all, it it takes a lot. I don't think people understand that putting in, especially the way you build it and being so uh, methodological and having Mm -hmm. those steps that you knew would pique your interest. Yeah, It's hard. Like it's, hard to keep all those spinning plates moving mm-hmm, and also sure. you moved from your your home yeah. like your hometown and you know your, your husband and you are moving to a new state together mm-hmm. and that's a whole different journey because you yeah, guys definitely. haven't been married that long right it's like like two years three years ish um it'll be four years in okay August. four years okay yeah. my bad no, just kidding <laughs> <laughs> yes, i mean i because i've been married for like nine I was years saying, anyone that's like not been married for like two decades and jelica and i are like oh they just got married for so long we're old um but no it's still it's still a journey like even if we're all like married for a long time been in a relationship for a long time but if either one of us moved to a different state together it's a whole different big situation so all of that and making sure you keep your job together like it's a lot to to handle so i think you're able to get this done is amazing yeah it's definitely a balancing act there's definitely times where i have to be like okay put down the computer go do something else. Cause I mean, it's fun for me, but then at this point, it's also something where I've sort of gained a following I've gotten into a rhythm. And so of course you don't want to lose that momentum that you have. And so, you know, being at the almost one year mark now, it's definitely something that I have to keep that momentum up and I'm in it for the long haul. So yeah, it's definitely um, something that requires balance, but it's been so rewarding so far. So I'm loving it. Speaking of balance, um, you obviously have this really amazing job. That's kind of like kind of a dream job. For a lot of people. And then you yeah. also have this business that you've been building that is going yeah. really, really well. So how are you managing running both and keeping that balance in your life? Yeah, I think um, going back to what you said about having an amazing job, it, I really do think that my day job is a dream job, but just because I do have a lot of flexibility and freedom in my schedule to sort of make my own hours as I see fit. Um, well, not as I see fit. I mean, just in in the idea of it being a, a good place to work as far as work-life balance goes. So I think that I'm definitely very blessed in that regard. But for me, one thing that I've definitely learned over the past year as far as being able to balance a day job and then growing a business on the side, because this is my first time having a business too. Like I'm very new to all of this. I'm learning on the way. I think that the important thing for me to remember that I'm constantly reminding myself of is that it's a marathon, not a sprint. 
because mm-hmm. early on I was definitely in this headspace of like, oh, I got to post every day on Instagram and I have to make sure that I'm, you know, engaging with people on my email list and my followers and oh my God, I lost a follower. Now everything's, you know, crashing to the ground. But I think definitely within the last couple of months since this year has started, I don't think it's always about like the outward, you know, what people see. Mm-hmm. For me, I say as long as I'm doing one thing a day to better my business, maybe it's not something outward facing like posting on Instagram, but I'm, you know, in the DMs engaging with my community or I am working on some behind the scenes things for things that I want to do later in the year. As long as I'm putting in that one step every day to get one step better and one step closer to sort of just building this business that I have and that I want to continue growing, I that's really given me a lot of sort of it's taken the pressure off a little bit, I believe. Um, and just knowing that, you know, people people appreciate the hard work. They can see when you're putting in an effort. And even if it's behind the scenes, it's still paying off in the end. So, yeah, I think uh, yeah, totally Instagram makes it really hard. <laughs> oh, yeah, ahead. Instagram makes it really hard just because, you know, you look at the numbers, the vanity metrics, and it you can put a lot of pressure on yourself to sort of maintain that or outdo yourself. But... Um, I think at the end of the day, those numbers, they're only one side of the story and there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see, um, that really, that really leads to success in the end. So that's one thing that's definitely been helping me in recent months, just to sort of keep that in in mind. Instagram is really crazy if you think about it, because if you had a hundred people in a room, just all staring at you and listening to you, you'd be like, wow, this is a big yeah. amount of people. But mm-hmm. like on Instagram, you're like, oh, well, it's not 10 grand. So who cares? It's yeah, like, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, like <laughs> so it's, it's really just, I don't know, social media kind of like just makes us uh, not think about things the way that we would in normal reality for sure. So I'm glad yeah, that definitely. you are paying attention to that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I haven't posted on Instagram since 2018 in my feed oh, wow. because <laughs> it really does not. <laughs> I'm like, how did, why I feel so bad because I'm like, people are being so kind and like uplifting black voices, but also like 30 people have followed me and they are yeah. so disappointed. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. And I like all my friends are doing introduction posts and being like, Hey, new followers. And I'm mm-hmm. like, here's some stories sometimes. Yeah, we're the the opposite of that because I'll do like a million slides a day and you'll be like you're gonna get two (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate them I'm glad they're there but yeah I am totally a fan of doing the work that needs to be done behind the scenes just because Mm -hmm. it's just as important as the work that the people see up front Mm -hmm. absolutely I'm glad we're talking about it because a lot of people don't talk about the behind the scenes work that goes into a business, especially a new business. And there's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) A lot. You know, and those first, like, I don't know, I would say like the first three to five years, I don't know, Uh they just were, it's definitely like, I don't want to say like, because everyone's business grows differently. So you might have that same energy like throughout, but like for me, it's like, it's become not as intense, but those first like three to five years, it was just at, like every minute of every day was absolute chaos. And mm-hmm. I was doing the same thing at first. Like I had, you know, a full-time job and was running the business. So that also probably feeds into it, but yeah, yeah it was a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so right now, at the time that I wrote these, we were only dealing with the pandemic. So I'm going <laughs> yeah. to also include like a social revolution for change in this question. So mm-hmm. what are your top three money tips right now for anybody that especially now that we're dealing with kind of the culture of the climate of the, the earth, the whole entire planet right now? So Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I actually had an Instagram post about this 
because like you said, at the time we were sort of scheduling this interview, we were just in the age of Corona and now we're in the age of like (laughs) Corona and everything else that's happening in the world, which is great, but it's also a lot. Um, But in regards to sort of financial uncertainty, a lot of people were experiencing that when the COVID stuff started happening. Um, I think that there are definitely three main things that you want to do. Um, the number one thing is that you definitely want to build an emergency fund, build it up or just start building one if you don't have one already. And so basically that what that is, for those of you that may not know who are listening, is that an emergency fund is simply a stash of money that you intentionally save up and set aside for a rainy day. And so for situations like this, where you maybe have a uh, decrease in your income, a complete loss of income due to losing your job, uh, unexpected medical expenses that might come up, um, having to help family members potentially, I think that having um, a, set of, a set amount of money set aside is so important because it really sort of helps you to weather the storm when you go through it. And it makes it a lot better um, to deal with financially because you're not going into debt, you're not relying on credit cards. You know, it just gives you that peace of mind and knowing that you can, at least for some period of time, still be financially secure enough to sort of continue living your life if your income or your sort of job situation is interrupted. I think that in terms of sort of the second thing that you can do if you're facing financial insecurity or uncertainty is that you definitely have to take some time to look at what your current spending habits are and then sort of see if there are things that need to be eliminated completely to free up money, things that need to be reduced, um, ways that you can save additional money. So definitely getting honest with yourself about your current spending habits and how they should change um, is one of the things that's super important. I do this with anyone that hires me for one-on-one coaching. That's the very first thing that we do is that we do an audit of their spending because most people, I don't want to say most people, many people don't really know where your money is going. Um, You may think that you're spending $100 a month on dining out at restaurants, but it could, could actually be $600. Like just because a lot of people, they aren't really in the habit of checking in on their money regularly and actually seeing where it's going um, by categorizing it based on expenses. Um, And I think that beyond those two steps, another thing to do if you're facing financial uncertainty is to, um, if you're someone who is currently paying off debt, there are a lot of people in my my community and the personal finance community on Instagram that are on a debt-free journey. And so basically what that means is that they're currently actively working really hard to pay down debt so they can become debt-free within a certain period of time. But I do think that it's important to reevaluate your debt-free journey if you currently are on one, just because there are some things that are higher priority. Obviously, if you don't have money coming in, um, your number one priority is probably going to be finding a job or finding ways to save money so that you aren't, you know, out in the street. Um, so yeah, those are sort of my three tips that I think are really important to consider whenever it comes to sort of facing financial uncertainty. It's so funny that you mentioned the thing about people going out to eat because I have a friend who listens to the podcast, so she's probably going to yell at me about this later, (laughs) but she actually, like, her bank started breaking down, you know, all the different, like, ways that her and her husband are spending their money and Mm -hmm. putting it into a graph, and so she looked at it to kind of see, and she thought she kind of knew, like, oh, I spend a little bit of this here and a little bit of that there. Like she thought she knew and yeah. almost the entire circle was like going out to eat, not even just <laughs> wow. groceries, but just like going out to eat. Cause they got to eat so much. And so she showed it to me and she was like, Christmas, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know. Like, she's like, we're spending like just 
hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of dollars every month just uh-huh. going out to eat. So just yeah. seeing that, like being able to like physically see that really like opened up her mind or like her eyes to the fact that she's like, okay, maybe I'm not spending the way that I think I'm spending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, exactly. and then just, just being aware of that so you can make those little changes is so mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the main thing with something like that, like I said, doing a spending audit with my coaching clients, it's not that I, so when all the work that I do, I'm realistic when it comes to money. I'm not one of those people that's going to be like, nope, you can't go to Starbucks, no more Target, no more restaurants, you're eating beans and rice for the rest of your life. No. I think that it just needs to be about balance. And so that is the first Mm -hmm. step in sort of really getting that awareness and that clarity of where your money is being spent. And then from there, really assessing where your values lie, where your goals lie, what your priorities are when it comes to your money so that you can then see if your spending habits are coming into alignment with sort of those things that you've sort of identified for yourself. Yeah. Because if you're someone, yeah, if you're someone who values, you know, the convenience of going to a restaurant or the experience of going out and having fun with friends, why would you want to give that up? Yeah. You know, it's just about finding balance and cutting back in other areas so that you can then still enjoy those things that are valuable to you and that are your priorities and the goals that you have when it comes to your money. Yeah. And for her, it's been like paying more attention to like, obviously, again, we live in Orlando. So like everyone has like a friend that works at Disney or whatever. So like Uh paying attention to, you know, if she can get like go, you know, get a discount at the parks, like and have like a nice fine dining experience during like one of the months that they're doing like discounts for cast members or like, you know, creating that experience at home sometimes like when she's in the mood to like do that at home, but then other Mm -hmm. still going out. So yeah, it's just about like finding like what works for you, but also just being aware of how you're spending because I think a lot of people definitely are not. Yeah, for sure. So what are some great ways for people to increase their income so that they can increase their savings? Um, So as I was thinking about this question, I do think that there is one important note that I would make. It's not for me. I don't think it's necessarily just about increasing your, your income when it comes to wanting to increase your savings. I think that if your end goal is to increase savings, it just sort of goes back to the first step is going back to just what we were just talking about is really getting clear on where your money is going currently and if there are things that you can eliminate so that you can come into balance be able to save money more money because I think that increasing income is only one side of the coin when it comes to being able to save more money so I think that like I said the first step in my opinion would be definitely assessing your current spending habits and eliminating any waste so um, subscriptions that you might not be using overspending in different budget categories whether it's dining out or you know, shopping, you know, just sort of really getting clear about that and eliminating waste in that way. And then I think that another um, thing to look into is sort of going with the whole Marie Kondo thing that was popular a little while ago is just seeing if there are things that you currently aren't using where you can declutter your life and then also make money at the same time. So using apps like Poshmark, um, Mercari, I think is a good one people like, I think ThreadUp for clothing, eBay, OfferUp, Craigslist, you know, just really maybe not in the age of COVID. It's kind of hard to meet up with people to sell your stuff, but definitely looking for ways that you can both declutter your life to simplify your life, but then also make money in the process. And then I think the third thing after you've done those sort of things is to look into turning your skills into cash if you can, because especially now in this time where we're social distancing, we're in quarantine, a lot of work is happening online. And so there are a lot of people out there that have transferable skills that they could use to earn money. So whether it's um, becoming a virtual assistant for somebody, 
uh, doing social media managing for a company or for a friend or some sort of influencer. You can do content creation if you're someone that's creative and you have design skills like a lot of us on this call, I'm sure, have creative <laughs> skills that we could uh, transfer and uh, earn money from. So yeah, definitely looking for things, your own skill set in a way that it can be monetized because I think that's the easiest way to sort of earn money and earn additional income. Um, that's a step in the direction towards getting another job, but you don't have to go through the process of, you know, sending out applications and updating your resume, just sort of pulling, putting feelers out there, seeing how you can help other people and turning your skill set into cash. Yeah, I love all of those things. Just because <laughs> my point of view or process is that sometimes there are people who um, hope cut as much as possible. And this happens a lot of time with uh, marginalized people or people who kind of grew up or on that poverty line are just sitting on it. Mm -hmm. And COVID has really taken so much out of these yeah. people where it's Rock like they world. can't cut anything else. So having these tips where mm -hmm. it's like, okay, take what you have, any designer things that you have. I love, I know I love things. People love things. We all love things. Things mm -hmm. can be rebought, but yep. food for your family, like mm -hmm. your shelter, being safe, those things are important and you need to prioritize those things. Sell that stuff. You will make that money back and you'll be able to come back 10 times harder. It's just mm -hmm. a phase. It's just your your current place. We all have peaks and valleys. So I really love that you offer tips that are so, A, COVID friendly, because mm -hmm. we all know <laughs> yeah. we, we want to stay safe and not do things that are dangerous, but also that mostly anybody can do. Some people, like, and even if you don't, have the skills that you need to make money alarming and if you don't have a computer. Um, mm -hmm. There are resources I feel like that you can reach out to somebody or and figure out what needs to be in the libraries are back open. There mm -hmm. are so many resources at our local library when it comes to entrepreneurship or computer skills or furthering your education and continue your education for free. Linda.com is free mm -hmm. in Orange County. I'm 100% sure it is in Osceola County as well if you're local in Florida. That's the way in a lot of um public libraries across the U.S. That's a way that you can learn a skill that can be used online mm -hmm. without actually having to like go out and endanger yourself. If you're you can even start a podcast uh, at the local library. A lot of people, <laughs> especially at the one in uh, Orlando, they have a full-on podcast like yeah. facility that you mm -hmm. can just use for free, which is amazing. That for is awesome. sure. So what are some of your favorite tools to track your finances? Because I am a tools person. I have my favorites, but I would love to hear some of your favorites. I would say that my my number one, my my love is Google Sheets. Mm -hmm. um, and I, if I'm being completely honest, I don't really have a ton of experience with other personal finance tools because that has just been the one that has worked best for me. Um, in regards to having the flexibility to sort of manipulate the, the numbers and the data the way that I want to see it, I find that it's the best for me. Um, but I have heard really good things about apps like Mint. Um, mm -hmm. I think, uh, what's the other one called? YNAB is another yes. online budgeting tool that I know a lot of people really like. I think there's a steep learning curve with that one. I've been meaning to check it out just to see if it's something that I can you know, help other people with and educate them on. Um, but yeah, Google Sheets, Excel, those are, you know, like the main ones that I like to use because it just offers so much flexibility and freedom when it comes to sort of seeing your numbers. And I will say that I do think that there is just something about using your own hand and putting in the work that makes the work that you're doing with your money so much more meaningful because um, you're actually seeing the numbers. It's not something passive that you're doing. And I think it just builds that awareness and that clarity, like I was saying, where you're actually having to take time out of your day to manually input numbers um, 
it just makes it so much more tangible, I'd say, mm-hmm. um, and a little bit more real. So, yeah. yeah, I love that. I actually use like Google tools as well for that. Mostly because mm-hmm. I use Google for my entire life. So it's kind of like, yeah. rather than having it be in such a separate place, it's like just keep it in the same place. Like my husband has access to it really easy. Like mm-hmm. we both get on at the same time, different times, whatever. Um, and I've used Mint before. I tried it out because I was like, okay, like let's let's see what this is about. And I, I will say like it, it was like really easy to use and everything. So if you are like an app type of person, that might be a good fit for you. But I'm like you, like I like to kind of do it all and see it all myself. And that's for me giving me, I feel like I still have so much to learn, but mm-hmm. it's given me at least a better understanding of my money and stuff. Cause we like just got like, we're, we're about to get like our final paper any day now that like says we're like officially out of debt. So oh I've debt. had to like, <laughs> you, I've had to really like dive into like, a, a lot of like, you know, a lot of the tips that you gave, like, those are all like, I'm nodding my head. Cause I'm like, yeah, like I've, I've done that. I've sold things like, you know, mm-hmm. we've increased our income. We've cut back in certain places, but made sure that like, we've still had an enjoyable time. Cause I mean, it yeah. took us like years to get fully, like fully and completely out of debt. So mm-hmm. it's not like you can just turn off your life, you know, but it's yeah. learning to find that balance while you're learning about your finances and just, you know, those little increases, like they add up over time. Yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. So what are your future plans with the Millennial Money Guide and how can our listeners follow along with you and support you? Um, So as far as future plans goes, there are a number of things that I'm super excited about exploring in the next year and beyond. My number one focus right now is definitely continuing to build my one-on-one coaching clientele. So that's definitely been something that I've started within this year, 2020, is taking on -on one-on-one coaching clients and just really offering accountability, education, and just knowledge to people on more of a one-on-one basis because, you know, I I know the content that I put out on Instagram, it's good, it's educational, but I feel like there's nothing quite like having that one-on-one time with someone who has your best interest in mind when it comes to your money. So it's been really rewarding so far to be able to work with some one-on-one coaching clients and really just guide them and be a support system on their personal finance journey. Um, beyond that, I would definitely love to get into more group coaching settings. So having not just one-on-one, but actually groups of people that I can work with at one time, sort of in a community aspect to do coaching in that regard. I've also been toying with the idea of relaunching and sort of revamping a course that I actually created late last year, which is all about the concept of paying yourself first and really teaching habits in regards to saving money, because I think that is one of the things that I am super passionate about. And I think that when you are able to build good savings habits, it really just benefits you so much in the long haul when it comes to your personal finances. So definitely um, looking into that and having that be something that will be hosted online on some sort of platform, whether it's Teachable or Kajabi, I'm definitely exploring my options with something like that. Um, But yeah, as far as ways that user or your um, audience can support me, I almost said users because I'm a (laughs) user experience designer. (laughs) Um, as far as how your audience can support me, I think the number one thing is just to follow me on Instagram because that is where I'm most active and that's usually where I disseminate all the information that, you know, that I have about new offers and upcoming things. So you can find me on Instagram at millennialmoney.guide. Um, and I'd love to have you there. I'm super into connecting, not just having followers, but actually connecting with people. Like whenever I get new followers, 
I always, it's been a little difficult lately because I've had an influx of new followers with this whole social revolution going on. Um, but yeah. I, <laughs> I, um, I love taking time to actually reach out personally and DM all of my new followers, just introduce myself, welcome to Million Money Guide. Because for me, like I think I said earlier, it's not about the number of followers or the likes or the comments. Those are all great things, but I'm really about building a personal connection and being a resource to people online when it comes to learning more about their money. I love and that. You do it so well. And yeah. I, love it. Um, <laughs> I will say it's so important, at least to me, of having a woman of color talk about, especially a black woman specifically, talk about finances mm. because I did Dave Ramsey 10 mm-hmm. years ago. I had envelopes mm-hmm. in my car and cash and all this other stuff. And the things that you said have related more so to me the way I shifted my thinking because I think it was an important framework, but also mm-hmm. being flexible is not really in that Dave Ramsey framework, yeah, so definitely. to speak. And mm-hmm. I don't think you can understand how to be flexible with your money unless you work with somebody who understands finances. So I think that's mm-hmm. why it's so important to have one-on-one finance coaching and trying to get out of debt if you don't understand how that works and still wanting to have a lifestyle and still mm-hmm. be a Because I feel like millennials, we do have a certain lifestyle that is a little more different than some of the other people who are in other generations, especially those who are older than us. Like they don't- yeah really it's not a trade-off for them of whether like for them I feel like older people that I know of cars and like certain things in cars are so important and I feel like some millennials it's like yeah I would like a nice car but also I'd rather drive a beat-up car and stuff Netflix you know what I mean like there's certain yeah. things that are just... or like for me travel I would like rather yeah. yes exactly we would let them travel the world. Mm-hmm. for sure yeah. for sure so there's definitely some stereotypes in that um, aspect that I feel like you would be able to work more um, with some of the people who listen to our podcast so I'm yeah. excited about everybody listening to this interview and getting their money in order and reaching yes. out to you for coaching and I'm excited to see Millennial Money Guide grow because I think it's it's important and it's pretty it is. it is so pretty. <laughs> I have fun designing those posts. I, I spend way too much time. Like that's one thing I'll probably have to get better about as the business grows. Cause that's completely not sustainable. The amount of time that I spend oh, yeah. on my posts, but yeah, it's fun right now designing them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for <laughs> thank coming you guys. on. Thank you. Had a great time. Thank you.